Guys, what have we been doing this week, James? No, that was so... That's let's, fine. I'm going to roll with it. I understood what you were saying. I'm going to go with it. <laughs> no, nah, we're doing that intro. We're doing so the intro what I've been doing... <laughs> shut up, shut up, shut up. Welcome back, everyone, to Adeptus Australis, the Warhammer 40k podcast, where this week... Another new crude model revealed the second we stopped recording. The grim darkness of the far future is now a slight bit cleaner with Power Wash Simulator, and it's a big Warhammer store anniversary, possibly the biggest. And a goose! But first, James, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. Ollie, welcome to you. Boys, how are we doing? Um, I'm doing really well. James, what have you been hobbying this week? Hobbying this week, I... Got my Warhammer Plus subscription model ordered. Uh, ordered? I ordered. I realised them or I, just I no. I have no idea where the first one ever went. It just says we're on to the third one now. I know we're on to the third one. On to the third one. I have definitely now ordered the second one. So I got the Chaos Terminator. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Azrak the Annihilator, his name is. Yes. And I went to get the first one, I went to get a orc for a friend who runs orcs. But that said, it was sent to the Broadbeach store. Uh, so I guess it's been sitting there for a year and I just never picked it up. So that one's been sitting there for two years. For two now. years, yeah. yeah. So I should go pick that up. And the third one, up and coming, I'm definitely going to go with the Imperial Guard oh. unit. But in other news, I'm so close to finishing The Betrayer, uh, the, the book, the book uh, Horus Heresy, where it is the world eaters and the word bearers. Apologies, I have to think about that every time I say it. Basically running around taking over ultramarine planets. And like a lot of Horus Heresy books, it's just hit that moment where things just go really, really weird south. And it's a very exciting third act that I'm in. So I'm excited to get to the end of this one and eventually get to the Siege of Terror. But I'm getting closer and closer. I love that. Working your way towards Calf. So I've, I got the exact opposite models to you for every single one. I got the Umbral Six, the Sniper. I got the Sorcerer with all the little minions, which is just such a good model. And then I got uh, the vampire. The vampire. Ah, vampire. Blah. Ollie, what have you been hobbying? I, uh, this week, have been finishing off and working on your Shadow Sun still. So I'll probably be working on that for the next week or so while I play with light and try to make all of the highlights look good. So I'm looking forward to showing you that one when it's all done. I also painted a, a proxy assassin which I won't show off anywhere because it is, we'll just say it's a uh, <coughs> a crass model that my friend wanted me to paint. So I humored him. Um, and um, I've just been listening to the new Ravenna series when I haven't been listening to audiobooks about how to look after infants because I have a baby arriving in a week. So for me, it's been probably a lot more focusing on that stuff. Well, as long as that Shadow Sun is done before the baby, uh, congratulations. No promises. This is probably a good time to announce to the listeners that Ollie will be taking a short break from us once the infant does arrive. But don't fear, he will be back just as soon as time permits. And if anyone's had a baby, you know that that can just be when it's going to be. So deal with it. He's coming back, okay? And we'll figure out ways to include Ollie in each week. Sending in little voice memos, uh, etc. Maybe some talking points. Hi guys, it's three AM. Um, I'm up again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the nurglings asleep. <laughs> See, please help, please help. <laughs> what What you need to do uh, is just find a um, like a good technique to hold the baby, maybe up over the shoulder, so you can then you know paint freely with the other hand. You might have to you know get a some kind of model clamp. Just thought, I was thinking, just hold a baby in one hand brush in the teeth and then just manipulate the painting handle and just see how that works. You'll that still, might, that might go okay. still probably paint better than me. Look, I'm not going to lie. And this is a bit off track, but I've got pictures of when my guy was a little guy in one of those like kind of baby cushion donut things on my desk 
in front of me and I've got the keyboard. He's like in my arms and I've got the keyboard around the back and I'm playing Train Simulator or something like that. So there's ways. Don't worry, we can do it. What I'm hearing is there's definitely hope, which which fills my heart with joy. There is always hope and then we get to, you know, go into our futures and bully our children into Warhammer and then be devastated when they do (laughs) things like sports or friends. Did you bully your child into any Warhammer and your hobby pursuits this week? Look, I've actually been pretty hobbyless this week. My wife's been a bit under the weather, so I've just been holding the fort down. It's actually been fun. I've been doing a lot of day-to-day care, which is honestly the best thing ever. So no hobbies, but no complaints from me. Well, I guess we'll move on to the news then. We will. And this week, we're going to be real choppy with the news because we've got a very meaty topic to talk about, which, as we promised, we didn't talk about last week. So we are going to talk about it this week. So the news is going to be so fast, you'll blink and you miss it. All right, guys, first up off the chopping block, another podcast, another model revealed literally as soon as we finish. So it turns out that Monday UK time is now the Warhammer reveal day, the 40K reveal day. We literally have had a model every Monday that we finished recording. So this week we've got a really cool looking fella, the Crute Lone Spear Snipe Specialist. Okay, so this guy's just a vibe, isn't he? James, I want you to describe this to us. Okay, so it is a Crute on top of what looks like... Would it be fair in saying like a salamander, not to be confused with the Space Marine Legion, but the reptile? A salamander slash newt. Yes. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. And what I do like is on the Warhammer Instagram, it shows two variants of how you can paint this thing. And it's really interesting how different. They look just with different shades, tones, colors. So people can have a lot of fun with this model. But yeah, this Lone Spear looks very exciting. It's sort of what I was hoping a lot of these models that were being announced were going to look like. For example, the Crute Hounds, I was just a bit meh. Uh, There was another one. What was the the Path? Not Pathfinder, the... Uh, the the shaper that yeah just another thing that i was just like oh okay there were a few that were just like oh this looks like something that was maybe didn't make the final cut to be in the unit but this one yeah got a lot of individuality about it really excited to get my hand on this model this is probably the one that i'm most excited for and probably all the crutox riders were pretty Mm. sick i like that it's a kind of different looking lizard guy but look these guys you can either have like a, a melee focus with what looks like a grenade-tipped um, javelin, which is a really cool. It looks a bit like the Rough Riders, the Astra Militarum um, Horsey Boys, but you can also fit them out with a long gun, which is heavy and precision. It's got a 36-inch range, so it's got range to it. It's Space Marine, you know, ballistic skill at a 3+. plus Strength 6, AP minus 2, damage 3. Only one shot, but that'll... That's me, I reckon. That'll put a hole in something. That's, yeah, I'm going to go. That'll floor you. Before we move on, Ollie, just really quickly, do you have any uh, lore in your little brain hole about these, the lizard he's riding? Is this something we've seen before or is this something new? I mean, totally new. We've seen like lizardy things, um, I guess, in the universe and in the books, but not in crew models yet. This has got to be oh, 10 out of 10 for me. I love this model. I'll, I'd pick one up just to paint for sure. I've also seen some cool Photoshop kit bashes around too where somebody put one of the Eldar Rangers on top of it made it look like an Exodite Eldar. And if you're an Eldar fan, you'll know what that is. I'm not and if I not, don't. But, but it's, it's good that we're breaking out of our normal <laughs> armies that we just talk about. So, yes. The, the normal space marine sphere. Yeah, we got, yeah. we got a bridge out every now and again. So, I mean, we'll, we'll do the, uh, the world-famous uh, Adeptus Australis um, scale of are you getting this model? Yes. Ollie? Yes. I, th- I think I want it as well. Oh. I want to paint the green dragon. Oh, cute. Next up. This is great. I'm really a big fan of this because I'm a big nerd for the, those really cathartic games where you basically spend all your time doing absolutely nothing. And, of course, I'm talking about the 40K crossover with Power Wash Simulator. We got a really awesome trailer. If you haven't watched the trailer... Just watch the trailer. Like, I'm not going to explain it to you. It's just got that perfect amount of kind of like Warhammer, but when Warhammer's 
taking the piss of itself. Tongue in cheek. Yeah, it's so good. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's power wash simulator, except instead of washing down, I don't know, John Deere lawnmowers, you're washing down rhinos and titans. And what I find funny is this would probably be someone's job in the Warhammer universe, which I love, but you just never read or hear about that unless uh, you're reading a certain type of book that will dive into this, but it's never going to be in any codex. I I can't imagine the um, book from the point of view of a servitor is going to be that interesting. In this game, they actually make you play as one of the members of the Adeptus Mechanicus and they're making you do maintenance on these things, which is really hilarious because half of what they do the whole time they're talking about their rituals where they're cleansing the vehicles and doing things like that. And I guess people just didn't realise how literally they meant. I'm all for it. So this is going to be out um, on the 27th of February, coming to all the systems that you could ever wish for. So we got... PS5, PS4, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation Series S and X, as well as Windows and Steam. This feels like a perfect like Steam Deck game. You know, just take it on the road. I, I mean, I think I, I'm going to dabble. I'll give you a full review. You, en- you enjoy that, Jum. I still have so many games to get through. Final Fantasy 16, Elden Ring again. <laughs> Why did I do oh. that to myself? Unless you're talking about Space Marine 2, yeah. you're out. Okay. Okay, good. All right, guys, lastly, in the newscast we have uh, the biggest of all of the store anniversaries, the Warhammer World store anniversary, 2nd and 3rd of March, okay? This is big for people who aren't in the UK because obviously we're not going to Warhammer World for this, even though we wish we could. But it's big because there's going to be more reveals. Um, They've sent us a picture of a goose. Don't know what it means. I'm not even going to speculate. But we do have a couple more codexes due out in this kind of seasonal-based release window. So we've got orcs and we've got custodies on the horizon. So hoping we're going to see some more orcs and some more custodies. I don't know about you guys, but I reckon we should probably do a show where we dedicate, you know, the topic to talking about what we want to see from orcs and custodies. Yeah. You know, just what's next of the block? Because I think yeah. orcs, similarly to Tau, they've got a lot of... um potential for some cool new stuff oh yeah especially um with that sort of next round of codices it'll be really interesting to see how they play with the detachments and lean into all the different types of orcs whether they're the flash kits which are all about shooting things whether they're the goths where they're running in and belting things with gaz cool thracker right at the front or whether they're the the sneaky boys all in blue uh because if you're an orc when you paint yourself blue or purple you can't be seen I think that's just the motto motto for life. Mm. But, boys, that's it. That's the news. Nice, short, and sharp because we're going to get onto something that's not sharp. Sharp. Three, two, one. Because we're going to get onto something that's not short at all. That's Henry Cavill because he's a big man, everybody. How's that for a segue? Pachow. He's done very well there. Me or Henry Cavill? Both. You've both done equally as good in your ventures in life. Por que no los dos? Absolutely. All right, so of course we're talking about Henry Cavill, Amazon and Games Workshop, the deal that they've now signed for Amazon to make Games Workshop content till the cows come home with Henry Cavill set up as um, the executive producer. So I'm just going to do a bit of a timeline. We're going to start there, right? We're going to go back actually a couple of years because, you know, I'll, I'll put the question to you guys in a second. This didn't feel like this took as long as it did to kind of go from the first announcement to now, but it was 12 months. So let's talk about it. So first announced on the 16th of December, 2022. Um, it was a relatively short announcement. So first announced on the 16th of December, 2022, Games Workshop is pleased to announce that it has reached an agreement in principle with Amazon Content Services for Amazon to develop Games Workshop's intellectual property into film and television productions. Okay, so Games Workshop has also granted Amazon associated merchandising rights. That's a big one, right? What did George Lucas teach us? All the monies in lunchboxes. True. So advanced contracts are being entered into. Amazon will be commencing certain development activities, such as holding preliminary discussions with writers, etc. Um, it's intended that rights will initially be granted to develop the Warhammer 40k universe. So whilst parties have reached an agreement on material commercial terms, the project is wholly dependent and subject to contracts being agreed and entered into. So that was 2022. We also then got an announcement from Amazon at the same time, much to the same effect, um, just more kind of, I don't know, Hollywoody 
So Warhammer 40K has captured the imagination of fans of all ages. Yeah, true enough, I guess. Uh, we're excited to work with um, Henry, Vertigo, and Games Workshop across our Amazon entertainment business on this brilliant, immersive franchise for our global customers to experience for years to come. Important things in that release. Henry Cavill, he released his own statement, which was also put on um, Warhammer Community, but also Vertigo Entertainment, who are a studio with a great pedigree, as well as for years to come. They're entering into this for the long haul. So Henry Cavill, not long after that, had his little statement that he released and was put on Warcom, obviously. I've loved Warhammer since I was a boy, making this moment truly special for me. The opportunity to shepherd this cinematic universe from its inception is quite the honor and responsibility said Henry Cavill. I couldn't be more grateful for all the hard work put in by Vertigo, Amazon, and Games Workshop to make this happen. One step closer to making a nigh-on lifelong dream come true. Straight away, Henry's just like, this is my jam, baby. And then finally, we had some words from Vertigo Entertainment. Okay, now Vertigo, how, uh, the kind of production company behind films like Barbarian, the Lego franchise, the It films, and The Departed, quite a smattering of things, all of which have got some, you know, really good ties to what Warhammer could be. And having a look at some things that they're doing in the future, it seems they're really diving into adaptations. They're looking to do a Horizon uh, TV series. Which, the PlayStation game? Yes, the PlayStation game. Ooh. And uh, yeah, they've also, they did the Exorcist series, which I really liked. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but I found it much more enjoyable than... Uh, the recent film that just came out. I don't know if they did that one <laughs> as well. They probably did. But yeah, they're also doing the Bioshock film. Oh, oh man. That has got big 40K vibes. It doesn't it? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really interesting whether who's in charge over there or maybe they're just tapping into things where there's such a market already established. Bioshock's, what, three games? But arguably that ruled the what would you call it, the mid-2000s, oh, yeah. 2010s? Oh, yeah. I just remember, yeah. The um, the twist of Bioshock Infinite still lives in my head rent-free, but we won't get into that now. So those were the announcements that came out in December 2022. You know, after that, it was just wild speculation. Henry Cavill said a few things here and there. GW was super tight-lipped. Amazon, super tight-lipped, nothing else. You know, Henry Cavill's kind of infatuation with Warhammer was then kind of just out there. He became the internet nerd daddy building his own PC and talking about Warhammer, you know, in interviews for The Witcher with Joey Beatty and stuff like that. It just literally everyone, every nerd just bowed down and put a crown upon his head. It was fantastic. But it wasn't until December 2023 that we got actual confirmation of the deal. So for a whole year... They basically sat in negotiations for this. So in December 2023, GW released a statement that said, all we can tell you right now is that an elite band of screenwriters, each with their own particular passion for Warhammer, is being assembled to help bring the setting and characters you love to screen. The illustrious group will be championed by Henry Cavill, who stands ready to take his place as executive producer, bringing his pen, sword and or spear to the project. TV and film production is a mammoth undertaking. It's not unusual for projects to take two to three years from this point before something arrives on screen. Still, things are now properly rolling and you can bet we'll bring you the latest updates and cool snippets as soon as we're able. So that was just an excerpt from the 2023 release, which was basically saying we've now signed contracts and when that kind of thing happens there's a whole bunch of mechanisms around it so press releases to the actual investor pool of gw so that's people who own shares and stocks same thing for amazon releases to their investor pool to say that these deals have now been signed because obviously it's going to have a big effect on both companies uh i don't know fiscal viability um this is not a commerce podcast maybe one day but on the topic of money amazon aren't backwards and coming forwards when it comes to money. The amount of money they spent on Lord of the Rings, it's been documented that they paid 250 million for the license for the Lord of the Rings kind of that first age um, was it second age? Rings of Power, you know what I'm talking about. And they've it spent was the Silmarillion stories, I think. You know, so the, the and the appendixes that they had. So the pre Lord of the Rings stuff and they've spent, you know, they have said they're going to spend 750 million across the six seasons. We know it's going to spend 
they're going to spend more than that. So we know that there's absolutely no issue with Amazon spending money. They do love to spend it. If Jeff Bezos is into it, he'll spend money on it. Look, a final point I'll cover before we get into the chat, um, and this did the rounds not long ago. Henry Cavill was doing an interview with um, Josh Horowitz. They were doing press for Matthew Vaughan's film Argyle, which you know, Henry is one of the stars of. Henry said of being involved in Warhammer that it was the greatest privilege of his professional career to have this opportunity, and he wants to bring it to life faithfully. And he said this next to the director of the film he was in, which was not a Warhammer film, uh, Matthew Vaughan. The twisted mind of Matthew Vaughan. Yeah, and so it just shows how much this means to him that this is a man that has played Superman to say in front of the director of the film that he's supposed to promote that it's actually Warhammer, the thing that is the greatest privilege of his professional career. I mean, he's probably seen Argyle and realised that wasn't the greatest privilege of his professional career. There's my review. It's not horrible, but it's not great. Oh, okay, good. Um, but, yeah, exactly to your point, this is huge, right? This is huge for Warhammer. I, I just want to get your guys' take on where your head's at with this. I'm just really pumped uh, to see the universe that we all love so much with so much of a, a breadth of amazing books and interesting stories being adapted onto the, the silver screen and movies, TV shows. It's really cool just to see that the world that we love and the stories that we love and the characters we like will get a little bit more airtime and maybe even get a little bit more attention outside of our, albeit niche community, as much as we're loathe to admit that it is niche, but it is what it is. What about you, James? What do you reckon? Yeah, I think, is it established that it's a TV show? TV show, movies. So there's a whole breadth of mm. things that they're going mm. to cover. Interesting. Well, if you can put it on Amazon Prime, they can make it. Yeah, true. Well, yes, I think they've got the right person at the helm. Allegedly, one of the reasons that he left Witcher is because of creative issues, because he felt they were straying too far away from the lore and the source material. The source material. The luxury that I think Warhammer has is you can do anything anywhere except maybe a comedy. But even there's parts where, you know, when they did the Christmas specials with, what is it, Grotmas, there's still even room for comedy there. So. I mean, technically, that's not 40K, but I see what you mean. I see what you're saying. Yes. So, so it will be really interesting to see how they kick this thing off. What are they going to do to grab people's attention? Because my introduction to Warhammer was seeing Lord of the Rings start a kit at a toy world of these little figurines. And I was like, this looks amazing. I want to do this. So that was my introduction to Warhammer was through Lord of the Rings adapting to Warhammer. And now I think it's going to be a reversal of that where if this thing becomes a big hit, it will be a gateway for the mainstream into Warhammer, which would be huge. And I guess the word that you guys used before, like just the breadth of it, it's a big thing, right? Warhammer is a big thing. It's been a big thing since, you know, they started it and the lore is such a, a jumble at times and we've even seen most recently with the end and the death part three just some retconning of the stuff technically not retconning because it didn't exist yet but there's just this massive lore right we go all the way back to the emperor and the unification wars and the thunder warriors and then space marines and primarchs and then the great crusade and just all of this then we hit the horus heresy which is just a monolith on its own, right? That can go forever. But then you fast forward to, I think, what is now more of the mainstay, which is, you know, the 41st millennia, Warhammer 40K, right? Where we are now, the characters we have now, the, you know, the the drive forward of Primarchs and um, Demon Primarchs and who's coming back and all these kinds of things that we do now, like where the hell do they start? That's a tough thing. They've got to find a story that's going to introduce everybody to the world in an interesting way, I suppose, and somehow find a way to make sure that the characters are still relatable enough to most people rather than just hardcore Warhammer 40k fans. As much as many of us love Space Marines, it might be hard for people to understand what a 
gene mutated, super macho, super soldier is thinking or might find it difficult to relate to that. Maybe. Because, you know, regardless of the amount of money Amazon has to spend, it's not infinite. You know, they can't just keep making things that don't work for them financially and creatively. You know, there's there's got to be a limit. And, of course, there's going to be a plan and there's going to be movies and there's going to be TV shows and there's going to be all of this stuff going on. But it's like Henry's got his work cut, cut out for him, him and his, you know, producing and writing partners and, you know, that GW statement like saying that they're targeting specific writers with specific styles to tackle specific stories. You know, it's... It's it's just a big undertaking because you, you could simultaneously run a series of films on every single Primark, you know, during the Great Crusade and them, you know, MCU style. They all have their little origin tale of their home planet, you know, as it is and we have Korax's story and we have Lionel Johnson's story and we, we get to see maybe some more of these, you know, just really sad and, you know, tortured characters like Angron and his kind of perils with the the butcher's nails stuck into his head and the fact that he was just kind of mistreated like a pooch. You know, how he was mistreated basically like a junkyard dog by the emperor, you know. Simultaneously, you can run a completely different series. But again, is that going to just confuse the hell out of people? Well, I think we could do this forever. But uh, I put the task to both of you to think of what you want to see and maybe some fan casting. So I think we should jump into that because, yeah, there's just so many avenues that this could go down, but we're not going to know till we know. So good luck to them. But for now, let's have a bit of fun with it. All right, I'll kick off because I just gave mine away just then. It's that kind of concept of a film per Primark. You know, the Primarchs are kind of the bread and butter of kind of what Warhammer 40K is about. And I think it would be really cool. And what could happen, what would also be really great is that they don't have to stick to the same formula. Like you can have different styles of filmmaking, different styles, even animation in there. If things are more kind of lent towards an animation or something like that. What have we got? 18? Because we've got two missing Magic Primarchs. To have a film... I think a film would be good. I don't think a TV series for each primer. I think that's overkill. I think a film for each, I think that would be really cool. And then, you know, like GW been alluding to specific writers, specific directors, kind of specific skill sets for each of those kind of characters. You know, I think of Korax and I think of like more of that thousands, you know, mid thousands kind of gritty, like Riddick kind of like everybody's a bit dirty you know, doing their jobs. That's my pitch. That's what I'd like to see. And who, do you have any castings? I only have um, thought about Corvus Corax, who was- Oh, what a shock. My- Raven guard over here. <laughs> and Surprise. I thought about this for quite a while, actually, because I was going through my head and last last time we had some chat after the, the podcast and I kind of heard spoke about Tom Hiddleston, but he's too much. He's too low key, right? He's too, he's in there. Do you want to quickly just explain who Corax is? I thought you were going to say who Tom Hiddleston is. No, 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 no. Oh, we know. We all know. Okay. Corvus Corax, which is Latin for Raven Raven, um, is the Primarch of the 19th Legion called the Raven Guard. Um, they're a sneaky, stealthy kind of, uh, Legion in the way they play on the tabletop. Corvus Corax has the ability to just become kind of invisible, you know, to people's sight. Um, that's his kind of like space juice. And he gave his space juice to all of his space children, i.e. his Legion. Um, they can't go invisible except for certain guys in there. We're not getting into it. This is why we need the film. Okay, this <laughs> yeah. is why we need the film. But his whole whole thing is that he was a slave on this kind of like moon of a planet and slavey boys and then he set them all free and he's all about, you know, freedom and uh, lifting up the downtrodden. Okay, that's his whole vibe, right? Um, but what I thought about is now cast your minds back to Game of Thrones season one. Daenerys' brother, Viserys Targaryen, who's played by Harry Lloyd. Guys, look him up. Because you'll remember when you see him, right? Obviously, if you were a Game of Thrones fan, he was just, he was a petulant a hole in the show, very much like Joffrey Baratheon. But he's got the look for it. In that show, he's obviously got the white hair. But I reckon you give him black hair. I reckon he's a really good shout for this. 
I feel like an English actor is right for this. What, in Warhammer? <laughs> Considering Warhammer's got that classic, um, if you know those old Roman Empire films when everyone's just like, I don't know, from, from Essex. Well, that's like, that's Game of Thrones. North London, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like. No, I see, I, I see him, yeah. That's my fan casting, so. Did he play a young Voldemort? I don't think so. I might be confusing with another actor. And that's Ray Fiennes. Is he the, is, what's, what's a Horcrux? <laughs> Get out of my office. Uh, it's a good Slughorn. Thank you. I've got some other fan cast. So you just want a Raven we'll Gun back movie. To that. Like I said, I think every Primark deserves a film where, again, like I said, it's their story, not necessarily their position within the sure. current setting. So like we talk about the complexities of these things, especially with things like Thousand Sons. Um, Magnus had his own issues and Lorgar had his own issues. Everyone had their own issues and I think it'd just be cool to to see those, you know, shown in, in, you know, just kind of like a this is who they are and this is why they are. I think it'd be really interesting in those movies too, seeing how they could do, I guess, a Gandalf and Hobbits-esque change in the scale of the actors because Primarchs are nearly twice as tall as humans, right? So it'd be really interesting to see how they achieve that cinematically. In the books, you can kind of get a little bit away with it i guess because people can imagine it a little bit easier but when you're actually setting up a scene and buildings and structures and battles and things like that with these huge larger than life characters be really interesting to see how filmmakers would do that and i have no idea how they would you guys might have an idea how they might achieve that but be cool look it all just depends on the on the situation and there's multiple scalings though isn't there because you've got standard humans you've got space marines who are and these are not Primaris Marines, so they're what, about seven footish tall? Thereabouts. You know, yeah. and then we got Primarchs who are what, eight foot plus, you know, big guys. The biggest one was Magnus, and I think he was like 10 or 11 feet. You know, but so even, ev- even bigger. Use. Look, computers are wild these days, they can do anything. You know, but yeah, I see what you mean. And again, this is what comes down to I think what's going to make Henry really important in this is those little nuances, i.e., in book one of the Siege of Terror, the Solar War, there's a scene where um, one of the human commanders is talking to um, the Khan and she just, in her inner monologue, talks about how he's such an enormous man but the way he was present in the room, he made himself feel like her equal, like he was, you know, sitting beside her, like he wasn't just this nine foot tall guy who could literally rip through steel or or whatever so those nuances are super important that's where i think henry cavill's going to be super important he's going to really be kind of keeping a thumb down on that but you know ollie don't worry about the movie magic just tell us what you want to see what i was thinking about predominantly was that i'd like to see some really well done tv series uh, preferably live action just because i like it a little bit more I feel like it would give a little bit more time to world build and establish the universe, sort of like I was saying before, because in a movie you really only get, you know, two, maybe three hours at most to establish something interesting. And I feel like in that amount of time for something as complicated and nuanced as 40K, it could be hard to get through all the subject matter immediately. But again, I I wouldn't necessarily know how the, the movie magic works or how they can do those sorts of things cinematically. So I know that there's a lot of visual media and the way that they communicate things rather than just outright stating things so it would be interesting to see if they can achieve that with a movie anyway overall i think i'd like to see them lean on the shoulders of a lot of the great writers particularly like dan abnett and chris Wright. they've written some of my favorite books so talking about the khan just now chris Wright uh, wrote the white scars some awesome books in path of heaven etc and dan abnett of course has contributed to not only a lot of great stories in book form, but also the Dark Tide computer game and has really done a lot of work with studios in particular to make sure that the grit and vibe of 40K has been achieved. So I think a a marriage there of Henry Cavill and someone like Dan Abnett would really just make sure that the, the grit, feel and aesthetic of 40K is achieved. Also, I thought the obvious pick for a series that most people would think of, I think, would be... Uh, like an Inquisitor, like the Inquisitor series or Eisenhorn or something like that. And I think that that might work, but my only query with it was that maybe it was a little too dark. Because you can imagine the Inquisition, they're fairly, you'll say, pragmatically 
almost evil organization in the way that they operate. And I could imagine that getting people offside, yes, bittersweet, grim stuff can work, uh, like Handmaid's Tale, for example, which was a show I didn't particularly enjoy because it made me feel pretty uncomfortable. But obviously there's an appetite for bittersweet dystopian shows out there so it could work but i actually thought something more like a rogue trader would be more interesting in that you've got a character which can travel all across the universe you can learn all about you know space travel the universe they can explain these things in in exposition you have a character that's not as dogmatic or i guess you know true neutral or dogmatic about the imperium so they will have a different perspective they can be a little bit lighter on the backdrop of this super dystopian grim dark setting so i thought that might be an option instead plus the original game was called rogue trader correct and look that's a that's a great kind of thought because it it gives them as in the creative team freedom because it's not necessarily a known character it doesn't have to be a character that people know you know, so all of a sudden I get flashes of Firefly, Nathan Fillion types, you know, like these space rogues, which they really were. And yeah, again, I think that's a really cool point. And it can go in so many different directions. Like you could almost have the, um, you know, the Star Trek style, like even in that kind of strange new worlds, some of the newer shows where it's kind of like almost going back to formula of like Monster of the Week. And yeah, it is like they're traveling and, you know, it's exactly to your point. Oh, we've got to go through the warp or whatever. And, oh, the Gellerfield's broken or something like that. And, like, just giving the audience, like, time to just adapt and adjust. And, yeah, there's a sliding scale to that as to is this for younger audiences, older audiences? Can I sit down and watch this mm-hmm. with my 15-year-old kid? That's cool. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, I think that's throwing me back to the 80s with films like Masters of the Universe where they would – grab the everyday person and throw them into an outlandish world. Not that they'd grab someone from, say, today and then put them in the Warhammer universe. Please don't do that. They even did it recently with Mortal Kombat. Henry can grab me and put me in. He can, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's fine. As long as 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 he's doing it, it's okay. It would be, I think, very much, it would be very much the safest bet to have a unknown character interacting with known characters throughout the world because that way you're not tied to this idea of what you had of said person and then when they come along and meet these characters it's such a broad range that they could meet orcs they could meet tau they could meet uh eldar it's like you said with that road trader and on the eisenhorn approach that's what i was thinking because it's one of the most popular book series, I believe. And as you were saying, it is pretty grim, but there are enough characters around him, much like Firefly, to keep the lightheartedness. And it's the Hanging Lantern, where for those who don't know what the Hanging Lantern is, it's what Han Solo basically is in Star Wars, just saying, this is all nonsense. You're nonsense. That's ridiculous. So it kind of, because we've addressed it, we can move on pretty quick from it. Uh, There's a good way to do it and there's a bad way to do it. Han Solo is a great way to do it trying to think of a bad version but it's probably a bad movie that's forgettable and i think it will start off as a tv series i think that's how they'll test the waters because it'd be pretty bold move to make a feature film straight off the bat i can see a feature length opening episode but even then Mm. yeah i think do you have any any casting inklings anything bubbling up well what i did i didn't do dream casting or dream directing choices i went with practical with what i thought could be a possibility so i went with a few i'm just gonna rattle them off i just got them in my notes here first off i thought of deborah chow so she directed obi-wan better call Saul, man in the high castle american gods of those i think obi-wan was probably the weakest however i did think there were pretty excellent moments that actually made me enjoy some of the prequels stuff a lot more it gave it a lot more weight and a lot of closed uh what's the term closed closure no. yeah a bit of closure not closure loopholes not loopholes what? but things that i thought were tacky i'm like oh they've actually made that a bit redeemable Less. however there's there were moments in that show i'm like oh no this is very tacky i thought she would be a great option i also have hero i don't know how to say his last name which is pretty bad hero murai now this is pretty left of center, but I think just his style. And if you went with a slow burn intercut with some action scenes, which I now know he can do, he did Atlanta, 
with Donald Glover and he did Mr. and Mrs. Smith or a few episodes of Mr. and Mrs. Loving Smith. That at the minute. And I'm really enjoying it. Do not go and watch it if you're trying to recreate what you felt seeing Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt's <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It is not that show. It's, it's very much- It's much better though. I Yes, I personally think it's much better, but I know people that will sit and watch this and go, what is this? And then my other option, so say it's a 10 episode series, one director gets four, the others get three, uh, Miguel Sapochnik, who did some- Pretty big episodes for Game of Thrones. So the Battle of the Wall. I Battle remember when the that Bastards. Battle of the Bastards. I remember when they came out, it was just like he's the guy. And he also, I think, just became the showrunner of House of the Dragon as well, which is a series I really enjoyed. And he's done Altered Carbon episodes, True Detective, and uh randomly House, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. So oh quippy dialogue. Hugh Laurie's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hugh Laurie's back, baby. Hugh Laurie could just be this. Uppity. He could basically be who he was in one of the Black Adders. Okay, hold on. I, I'm going to jump in here because I had a thought for casting um, for Melkador, the Sigilite, and I was thinking yes. of Walton Goggins, um, <laughs> who I just love to death. But now all of a sudden I'm just seeing Hugh Laurie um, because Melkador, the Sigilite, has got that. He can be a Do you want to explain who Melkador is? Ollie, why don't you explain who Melkador is? You'll do a much better job of this. Malkador is the imperial regent to the emperor in the Great Crusade era and Horus Heresy. So he's essentially the emperor's best friend, his second-hand man, and helps keep him on the track for all of his plans, makes all of his plans with him, and is like a surrogate dad to all the Primarchs. But a real powerful dude, though. Like, oh, he's a he, big he, psycho, he isn't he? Logger. Yeah, he, yeah he, he made all of the... The guys bow down, if I recall, or maybe made them all forget something, something like that. It's in the books. Someone and, will know. They email us. Correct and, me. And he's him, and along with the emperor, one of the what do they call them? The Eternals, the Ever Living, the Everlasting. Should oh, they're um, the Perpetuals. <laughs> Same thing. The Forevers. Yeah. They're BFFs the for life. BFF for L. That's who Melkador is, right? He's just an older gent, but he's. He's got badassery. So he's also got a bit of Ray Fiennes and um, okay. the King's Man. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, hello. <laughs> and then, you know, stabs you in the in the temple or whatever. Amazing. I was throwing Walton Goggins out there, but now I'm seeing you, Laurie, in that role. Or Malkador, I'd uh, written down someone like Mads Mikkelsen, but that's only because I was thinking of a guy who could age well into a role and had the right aesthetic in his face. Plus, I just like Mads Mikkelsen anyway. I think Mads Mikkelsen deserves a Primark if I was going to. Cast him. He did, I don't know which one, but and um, hold on, I'm just going to throw this out there. Mad Mickelson would be a mad Luther. Nice, you've done very well. What there. do you think? Ten out of ten. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or Idris Elba as another Luther from the show Luther, and then you get all the Luther <laughs> audience in. We just trick them. <laughs> <laughs> we trick them by saying Henry Cavill had something to do with this, and Idris Elba, and reprising then his role. As Luther. As Luther. Oh, gosh, that's good. <laughs> Come on, man. What are we doing here? <laughs> Every episode. Um, look, another one that I'm going to throw out is something that I had as a bit of fun because I think this is where fun can come in is with the orcs because they're big, dumb, and they're ready for fun. And I reckon- I'm glad you went that way with yep, that. Yeah, 100% because they are mushrooms. I reckon Seth Rogen as Gazkul Thracker. Oh, that's great. Right? I think that's really good. And then we can bring in some of those little um, grots and Gretchens and then just bring in all of his buddies. Bring in Michael Sarah. Bring in- uh, <laughs> Jay Baruchel. Hey, I'm how to train your dragon. And um, who's the other guy? Uh, Jonah Hill. You know, bring- Ooh, no. Oh, is he out? <laughs> He's out. Okay. We'll Jonah cut, Hill's we'll out. We'll cut Jonah Hill. Uh, we'll bring in James Franco. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> Woody Allen? Oh, oh. Okay, Hollywood's closed. And I scrapped Back that. Back to England. But everything. Tom Holland. <laughs> oh, Tom Holland. Hello. I'm a little Gretchen. No, now the podcast does. Okay, sorry. I can't steal that. <laughs> I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, and that could go maybe even as an animation. It's a bit close to like uh, what's a bolter and chainsaw. I think one of the first eps was one of the big orcs. Hammer and bolter. Hammer and bolter. Thank mm. you. One of the, you know, there's an orc talking about. Um, Imperial old one eye. Imperial guard, Clampy boy. What's his name? Commissar Yarrick. Yeah, Commissar yeah. Yarrick. That was a great yeah. one. And I again, really like that. It's one. It's really orky when he's like, "Oh, he was the best scrapper I'd ever seen." 
and look, I I think that's a lot of fun. I think Seth Rogen. I played Shadow of Mordor, <laughs> and now all the orcs talk like this. Except Kamal Nianjiani. Oh, yeah. Literally just his normal voice. I just think that's a lot of fun. I think Seth Rogen also actually treats like work like that really well. Oh, like when you look at the Invincible. stuff he does in Invincible and stuff like that. I Preacher, think. I think, was pretty yep. well received. I didn't watch much of it, but from what I saw, it looked fun. Yeah. So like a guy like him getting involved, he's not just doing it because I think he'd actually, you know, have a lot of respect for it. I had a couple of castings of, it's hard to come up with people that don't already have these preconceived roles, I suppose, uh, for a lot of them. But one actor who I like to has got some well-known roles but isn't necessarily defining him was someone like Lee Pace, just this huge guy with a commanding voice. And I yeah. thought he could do one hell of a Magnus the Red. And I feel a bit dirty recommending a casting for Magnus the Red, but just thinking of somebody who should have this commanding voice with a, with a clear presence and really own the screen, I thought that would be a character that would suit. Plus, he's huge, so that works. If anyone hasn't pegged that, he's the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy um, who arrests them all. He also is Legolas's father, but in The Hobbit, he was actually all, all younger in real life than Orlando Bloom. Correct. So he also little- plays uh, an emperor-like character in the Foundation series, which is really interesting. Oh, yeah, I've seen that around. He I haven't watched it, but I've heard it's quite good. More- he plays Day. It's a really good series. Would highly recommend Hold it. Hold on. Am I talking about the right person? Yeah, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's Ronan. Oh, so I'm talking about the wrong person. Oh, you are talking about the wrong Who person. I'm talking about the, the I'm talking about the um the guy from the the Nova Corps. John C. Riley. No, the other guy. Oh, uh, who does the voice of Darth Maul or is Darth Maul? Because he's he's really big as well. He's also in His um, name's Lee something else. He's in Hot Fuzz. We're gonna Yes. No, no, he's his Shaun roommate of the in Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Um, I don't know if you want to cut this. I don't want to sound stupid. But no, that's correct. fine. Yes, Legolas' father, stupid. Ronan the Accuser. Yeah, 100%. Smooth guy. I had some other castings. Go on. Zazie Beats, and that's because just having hero Murai who did Atlanta, anything she's in, I'm just like, gee, you're good. In Joker, she was brilliant. She's the, let's say, love interest. She was also Domino in Deadpool and in Atlanta. And she just has this swagger, very cool. Could be, what are the- She could be in the Rogue Trader. Yeah, she easily. And I that's think the thing. that would be better than like a Sister of Battle or something. Yeah, and the one keeping them in check. I think she'd be awesome. I also had, as a villain, he could literally play any villain, uh, Sean Harris. He was in The Stranger. He's also in a yes. few Mission Impossible movies. Uh, he, you know, when you see him, he is one of the most, he actually has done one of the best Australian accents I've ever heard from someone that's not Australian. He looks very malnourished, which fits very well into this universe. So should he be an Australian in the Warhammer universe? He could do that. Just, yeah. yeah, Um, much like how every British person takes American roles. He can, yeah, be an English person that does an Australian voice in a fictional role. Yes, Ollie, what do you reckon? I reckon he would do one hell of an Inquisitor. He just has that look, which you just look at him and you go, man, I don't know if I trust him or I don't trust him. And then he'd be playing a character, which is one of the good guys, but just has this topsy-turvy look about him where you would anticipate him to be a villain. I quite like that, a tortured soul that is just Mm -hmm. trying to get by in this horrific universe. And last on my fan casting, you can put them anywhere, Emma Darcy. And they were Rhaenyron Targaryen? Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra Targaryen. If you look at photos, how they look normally looks very much none with a gun vibe. Uh, mm. Sisters of battle. Mm. Uh, what are the anti-psychers called? Sisters of silence. Sisters of silence. Mm. Yeah. I think they would be. Shh, yeah, they would be excellent in this universe. Even as a lead. I think definitely as a lead. As we know, they can do anyway. Yeah. So, anyway, that's that's what yeah. I had. A little fun, fun little fan casting. And as things trickle through, I think it will be really interesting to see how we start narrowing our choices because, say, they announce, oh, it's going to be set during Horus Heresy. Mm. We can be like, okay, let's now focus on who would we cast as this in the Horus Heresy. We could really funnel it down. And, look, this kind of leads to a question that's on everyone's lips and that's, what is okay? Actually, I've got two questions. One we kind of s- sort of know the answer. So, who's Henry going to play? 
He'd have to play the Emperor of Mankind. Superman. He's the god of the geeks. Okay, so I've got I've got a thought on that. Because the Emperor is bad bloke. No, but he's different to everyone. Or, you know, his perception is different to everyone. He portrays himself differently to everyone, you know. It's some of the really cool moments in most of those books about the Primarchs is when they meet their father. And also, if it's set in the 40K world, I think that's a bit of a waste of Henry Cavill's talents to just sit in a chair. I agree. (laughs) But I will happily (laughs) sacrifice myself. For those of you who can't see, which is everyone, I'm currently interred in the Golden Throne. Uh, Yes, and for those that don't know, the Emperor is... How did you say? Interred on a golden he's throne. Inter- he's like just plugged in. He's just plugged in. He's a computer. He's ready player one. Yeah. He's that guy. So like there's a, I think there could be a really like imagine in my version of those MCU style films about every single Primark and then when they meet the emperor or their father at some point, it's someone different in every single one of them and we just pull the absolute cream of the crop. And I don't know the stories of every single one of their meetings, but I'm sure there's all manner of strange things because... There's some super cheesy ones. Okay. Like Lehman Rust was literally raised by wolves. And I mean literally raised by a wolf mum with wolf siblings. Yeah, but who is... But he's not a wolf. What did the emperor, you know, come to him as? Because it gives me a real, like, Contact vibes with Jodie Foster where, you know, the alien comes and it is she sees it as her father because it's what makes her most comfortable, which I think is kind of the Emperor's vibe because he's kind of like, if I show myself, I will melt your brain. Don't they do that in South Park? Yeah, they do do a, um, a takeoff of that and it's one of the best because I would love to see the Emperor come as a anthropomorphic taco that poops it's ice cream that's right god you so have funny. to bleep that <laughs> that poops ice cream that <laughs> poops cheese and rice just a clean one poops how cool would that be just like at the, like whenever in all of those bloody 18 films just a different emperor and it's just everyone it's charles dance um it's tom holland it's i'm Quick, only more british i'm people. only going with british people it's jk rowling it's oh, margaret thatcher oh no Oh, no. Oh, no. What's his name? Nick Frost? Oh, yeah. That would be great. And Simon Pegg together. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, are we doing an Edgar Wright one? Are we having an Edgar Wright movie about the primer? No. Are we doing it? No. Are we doing it? No, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> doing it. Are we doing it? <laughs> they called me. I said no. Okay. They called you. I said, Henry, back to the point, guys. Who's Henry going to play? He did. There have been inkling that he wants to be Constantine Veldor. Who is, who is he? The big bad, not the big bad, but he's the big bad boss of the Adeptus Custodes. Was it Custodes? Custodes. 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 Um, but he could be many people. Eisenhorn was thrown out as well. Do you guys have any kind of, what would you prefer him to be? I think that he could be a more prevalent character because all jokes aside, with everybody thinking he's the, the emperor of mankind, he really should be in a role where he's doing a lot of things. And I think a cool one for him might be someone like Commander Dante, which is the the chapter master of the Blood Angels, if you don't know. And um, I think that that character is big enough and important enough to really warrant his talents, but also is a character that could justify being in a lot of shows and doing a lot of things like that because it's he's the Lord Commander of the Imperium on the dark side of the split in the galaxy if you are up to date with your 40k law. But you've got to pronounce it Lord Commander. He's the Lord Commander. Lord Commander Dante. <laughs> you went a bit of Irish, that's right. <laughs> I think Henry Cavill, they might just play it safe and he might just be an ultramarine sergeant. They might tie it into Space Marine 2. You think he'd let that happen? I think think he'd let his childhood dream of being in the Warhammer universe be passed off as Lieutenant, you know, rub, thub, the tub, bub. But then that will be the highest selling model. It's his own legacy. It's he is Lieutenant Lub Thub. Is that what you said? (laughs) Lubber, rubber, dub. Yeah, Lieutenant Lubber, rubber, dub. On the fact of um, original Space Marine, the voice of Titus in the first Space Marine was Mark Strong. And Mark Strong could be... He could be a, a a ripper like Imperial Guard Commander or something like that. I reckon he could he could knock that one out. Yeah, take his look from Shazam. Just Ooh, chuck yeah. that in the universe. Bring him in. Ursicar Creed would be a character that he would be good. He's like mm. the most famous mm. Cadian commander. Or he could do a Yarrick. We've all done a Yarrick from time to time. Guys, it's exciting. Like there's no way around the fact that this is big news. It's very exciting. We're talking about what? Two years. 
till we see something. Hopefully not that long before we know something. The possibilities are endless. I'm optimistic. There's things going on like with the Halo TV series that worry me. I've heard second season's much better. Yeah, but again, it's... I know. You, you take the fun the fundamentals of a character and completely change them. Henry's not going to let that happen. It does make me nervous, but I'm feeling good. Are you feeling good? I'm feeling good because I think for him to be executive producer, they and as much as we love Warhammer, it's still pretty niche. It's very successful, but it's niche that they will probably let him get away, not get away with a lot, but come to him to understand something and being in that executive producer role, I think he can stop what we, as an audience, consider studio interference, if that makes sense. He'll stop that. Oh, but maybe what if you had like, say like in Judge Dredd, a Rob Schneider comic relief that was with you all the time. You can have a comic relief, but just maybe not Rob Schneider. I love that movie. It's so good. I love that film. But imagine being a Judge Dredd fan, which is basically a space marine. Ollie, I'm going to leave you with the final sentiment on this topic. Is this going to bring the masses in? Is this going to make our tiny niche mainstream? I think it's got the potential to, if done right. And I think if anybody's going to do it right, it would be someone like Henry Cavill in a partnership with a firm that's big enough to pump money in like Amazon. So if ever it was going to work, I think now is the time. Nice. My hot take, they're going to do an announcement from space. They're going to send Henry Cavill up on the Amazon rocket. With Elon Musk, just to put Elon a Musk point in it. And Jeff like, Bezos. Even though it's Amazon, you don't know what's coming. Whoa. That's my hot take. Amazing. Gentlemen, thank you for your thoughts. Thank you for your prayers. I'm excited. It's going to be good. We've got time to sit and mull about this. But look, that's it. That's the end of the show. We told you it was going to be a meaty one. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming along on this journey. And believe you me, we're going to talk about it way more in the future um next week's pod ollie we're gonna have you or we're not gonna have you you're not gonna have me we're not gonna have ollie's gonna be fully in the warp that is being a new dad and i'm so excited for you so it's going to be our first ollie-less podcast we're going to be talking about the reveals that we're going to be seeing um at the warhammer world store anniversary so that's what we're going to be chatting about um next week and i guess that's this is a good a time as any to say we're now going weekly so look if you guys have been listening that guy in belgium or girl in Belgium, please write in. I really want to know what you've been up to. You you may have noticed that we were kind of doing fortnightly, but we're going to go uh, weekly from now on. We would love if you gave us a follow on our socials. So follow us on Instagram at adeptus underscore Australis. You can also send in any questions or thoughts or sentiments you have to our email address, adeptusastralispod at gmail.com. And boy, howdy, did we actually have someone write in, um, which is brilliant, and we didn't coerce, coerce this person at all. I'm going to read it to you now. Hi, boys. Long-time listener. First-time emailer. How do you pick your armies slash factions? Do you wish um, that you choose differently after a while of playing? Uh, Keep up the good work. Love the podcast, even though I understand very little about it. Um, That's from uh, Simon C. Um, And Simon says, how do you pick your armies? How did you pick your armies? Uh, I remember it was the first time walking into Games Workshop. Yes, I got a Lord of the Rings kit from Toy World and... What I thought contained like 12 models contained a model with some paints. Uh, So that was my first $50 spent on Warhammer. However, I saw Tau. I was pretty into anime, loved Gundam suits, saw that, and I thought, hells, yeah. And to answer the second question, do I ever think about changing armies while playing with my army of Tau? Nearly every turn. Ollie, Not what about game, you? Just every turn. Yeah, and then every depending game. by the end of the game, for example, Ollie may know. Sometimes I really like using Tau. Oh yeah, Ollie. How sometimes did you- I get started using Dark Angels. Ollie, how did you choose? I started Warhammer when I was a lot younger, and I played Grey Knights way back then because I liked the idea of these like really cool guys in silver armor. But when I came into the hobby again, when I got a little older, it was based more on the stories that resonated with me and and that i liked so for me that was imperial guards space wolves dark angels and gray knights again just because i'm a bit nostalgic but i I like the arthurian knight camelot vibes and i love the viking vibes and you can't go wrong with imperial guard it's just great books great stories so it's just fun to try to bring those things to life and what about you john when i came back to the hobby it was always going to be space marines first because that's what i had when i was a kid 
um, the one unit of tactical marines and one bike and a captain actually that I could afford. And they were ultramarines? They were painted as ultramarines, yeah, because when you're a kid, you just follow the box art. And it was the same thing. It's like when you went in, it's like, oh, here's the box. It's got the paints and the, you know, whatever in it. Um, but when I came back to the setting in my uh, early to mid 30s, I it was always going to be Space Marines. And I'll tell you the truth here right now. I chose my army based on who I thought was actually going to be better at combating Tau, to be fair. So, because <laughs> I knew we'd be playing against <laughs> each other. So I went with uh, Raven Guard because you shoot a lot. And I had, you know, plus one to save, minus one to hit from distance and also could shoot pretty well. So And we played on um, that tiny, tiny board. So you got to me real, real quick. Look, to be fair, the first time we played, I don't think we had any terrain. It's a coffee table. It was a coffee table. It, it was a lot of fun. We did everything incorrectly. But yeah, that's that's how I chose. I wanted to um, combat you. And look, to be fair, yeah, we think about changing all the time. Um, I just refer to myself as a we, like I'm Gollum. I do think about changing often. Um, but the, the oh, you're Raven Guard, you're precious. Correct. The the cool thing about 10th edition is that you can just pick up a different detachment rule and, and play something different. And ironically enough, Tower doing super well and the Vanguard detachment, which is basically the Raven Guard, is kind of like flavor of the month as well. So uh, we're back, baby. Woo! So, Simon, thank you for the letter. Um, I hope that uh, opens you up. And, look, I'll tell you how you choose an army. You come to us and we'll choose one for you. Um, you Someone we can obliterate. You, oh, gosh. Eldar? Adeptus Mechanicus. Adeptus Mechanicus. Oh, I would have lost by round two. Yeah, perfect. But, yep, thank you for that. Thank you for the letter. Keep those letters coming in. That's all for this week. We are going to see you next week. Sans Ollie, mate, good luck with everything. Um, We will be hearing from you. The listeners will be crying out for you. I can guarantee it. Much love to everyone out there. And until next week, and until next time, roll hard and paint bravely.